A successful retirement plan begins with assembling the right set of tools. Finding the proper ones for the job will allow you to drill down on your goals and nail down your future. Scott Searles, certified wealth strategist and owner of Skybox Financial Group, constructs retirement plans for clients every day and will share that knowledge and insight with you. It's time to open the retirement toolbox and get to work. Well, you are in for a treat of an episode today. It's going to be a good one on the program. Welcome once again to the Retirement Toolbox with Scott Searles, financial advisor, president of Skybox Financial Group. Find us online at skyboxfinancialgroup.com. Coming up on today's show, we're talking board games. We've got a question from Dave about having laddered CDs and with interest rates where they are, kind of wondering now, what should I do? Uh, Got a great answer for that from Scott on the show today. Plus, we're going to be talking about life insurance and not reasons why you shouldn't get life insurance, as so often I think is the case in you know this world of financial marketing. Everyone will kind of bash life insurance. Mm-hmm. But in terms of retirement, we're going to see what are some actual uses of life insurance. Why would somebody have life insurance in retirement or later in life? And we're going to look at some of those elements on the show today. So I bet you're mm-hmm. going to learn a little something on the program. Scott, good to be with you, my friend. What's going on in your world? Uh, you know what? Just enjoying spring. Finally, you know, starting to get ready for summer here, coming up on Memorial Day, and which is one of my one of my favorite holidays because usually Memorial Day we have the whole family over, and I I, uh, I smoke some pork and, and make some pulled pork on the smoker, and uh, yeah, and usually hopefully the weather's good. We're outside. It's one of my uh, one of my favorite little start to summer holidays. The pool opens up. So you get the pool opening up in the neighborhood and people are opening their pools up. It's time for summer, Memorial Day. I like the sound of all of it, Scott. Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, I'm right there with you. We're going to go, I think, to New Jersey and visit my uh, grandmother over Memorial Day. Mm. And uh, I'm so pumped. First time seeing her in over two years uh, since before the pandemic. Uh, we were supposed to see her at Christmas, but she was sick uh, and and we think may have had COVID, although she did end up testing pos- uh, negative for it, but okay. she sure had all the symptoms. And so with all the family gathered and whatnot, uh, unfortunately, we weren't able to see her uh, for the get together then. So we're making a Memorial Day trip up to see her. And I think that's going to be just wonderful and a lot of fun, too. So absolutely. It's, it's going to be a great end of the month and a way to kick off summer. That is for sure. Uh, Well, let's dive into today's conversation. Scott, we'll get to that question from Dave a little bit later on, but let's talk about life insurance to get things started. And, uh, you know, it's not the most exciting topic to cover, Scott, but boy, could it save your bacon in many different ways or just be a nice tool in the tool belt uh, or in the toolbox if I want to really tie it into our show theme. And so our goal on today's episode is just to help you analyze maybe some of the reasons why you should at least consider Uh, different uses of life insurance during your financial life, and especially as you get closer to retirement, because there may be some ways you can use it that you aren't aware of. So we've actually outlined how many? Seven uses of life insurance in retirement, specifically for today's episode. So the first one, Scott, is income replacement. Okay, that's sort of the general use of life insurance, right? But what specifically about retirement makes the most sense here? Well, so it's funny that, you know, we're, we're talking about life insurance today. And I, whenever I meet with people or I teach classes or whatever it is, I always call it the dirty little financial planning word, right? Nobody wants to hear the, the word life insurance. First of all, I think because, you know, people keep thinking of, you know, passing away, 
you know, life insurance. No, a lot of people don't want to think about death, so they don't even want to deal with life insurance. I think the other reason is maybe it was sold, you know, back in the day when people didn't necessarily need life insurance, but life insurance is actually an incredible tool for financial planning in a lot of different ways. And we talk about income replacement first. And traditionally, you think of life insurance when you're younger and you're still working, that if you pass away, you got that money goes to your spouse, pays to send the kids to college, and you know takes care of, pays off the house, takes care of a lot of the bills to make it easier for the surviving spouse. But in your retirement, it has a very similar use also in a lot of situations. Because let's say that if you have a pension, for instance, that one spouse, if they pass away, that pension stops. Well, we can use life insurance to invest that money from the life insurance and then replace some of the income that may have been lost from a pension. So when you're retired, there's also sometimes a need for income replacement and life insurance is the best vehicle to do that. I can see where life insurance really steps up, uh, you know, your game in terms of preparedness for some of those income replacement situations in retirement. What about another usage as we look at uh, kind of the second reason why maybe you should get life insurance later in life could be for estate liquidity. Where's the benefit there? Yeah. So a lot of the times when someone passes away, Walter, they're there's going to be a lot of fees and expenses and taxes that are going to have to pay when someone dies. And if that money's not readily liquidly available, like for instance, if it's tied up in real estate, or if you've got a lot of money in IRAs where there's going to have to be taxes paid on the money that comes out of there, having life insurance as kind of a little tax-free bucket of money that shows up to help to pay for some of those taxes will make it a lot easier because they won't have to liquidate a property or force to take money out of the IRAs quicker than they wanted to, maybe by utilizing they can't. You have 10 years to take money out of an IRA, but if they have to take a big chunk out of it in year one, that all goes on to their taxable income in order to, to pay for some of the taxes when you pass away. So utilizing life insurance works out really well in situations where we've got uh, liquidity issues in order to pay some of those fees, expenses, and taxes at death. Yeah, that's a great point. And again, that's another usage of life insurance, estate liquidity. What about locking in a low premium and uh, as a reason to get life insurance? Yeah. I mean, if you know there's going to be a need for life insurance or if you would like to have life insurance, we all know the younger that you get life insurance, the less expensive it is. And that's because the insurance company spreads their risk out over a longer term time period. If an 80-year-old goes and gets insurance, they can kind of play the odds and say, boy, you know, within 10 to 15 years, chances are pretty good we're going to have to pay out on this policy, so it's going to cost you more. But if you get it when you're 25, you know, they're they're saying, boy, we, you know, might have 70 years before we even need to pay out. So your premium's going to be a lot lower. So the other thing you need to take in, into account too is if you get sick. You know, you may not if if you get cancer or something like that, you actually may not even be able to get life insurance anymore. So having it earlier. Locking in that lower premium, in some cases, makes a lot of sense. 
Big time. All right, so a couple of the ways we've covered so far, reasons to get life insurance, uh, lock in that low premium, estate liquidity benefits, income replacement possibilities. What about the transferring of family wealth? Where does it play a role here? So this is actually a big one, and we utilize this a lot in my firm uh, when we're working with retirees. And let's say we do a financial plan and we look at everything and there's a lot of excess money. Maybe that money's in IRAs where we're having a lot of tax liability. What we'll do sometimes is buy a life insurance policy with, like, for instance, those required minimum distributions that we're forced to take out. We'll use those required minimum distributions to buy a life insurance policy because then if you don't need to use those to live on, you can then actually transfer that money into a tax-free benefit that goes to your beneficiaries at your death. So for instance, you know, if your RMDs are $20,000 a year and you put that $20,000 into a life insurance policy, it may pay out, I don't know, five, dollars $600,000 tax-free, depending on your age and health, uh, to your beneficiaries. So it, it, it's a really good investment if you're trying to transfer wealth and increase the value of the after-tax value of your estate. I like that one. That is certainly interesting to hear that you use that frequently in your business and uh, as part of your planning process, Scott. So that's a big one. Circle that one, transferring fam- family wealth. Uh, for business owners out there, where can life insurance play that role in business succession? Well, so this this is a big one too for business owners. So a lot of the times, if you've got several partners in a company, you'll set up something called a buy-sell agreement. And you fund that buy-sell agreement by utilizing life insurance. So an example would be, let's say that you've got two, you know, two partners at a, at a company. And if one of those partners dies, you want that partner's spouse to get paid out the value of the company. Um, and so that that remaining partner can simply just run that company all by themselves and not necessarily have to have that spouse involved in anything. So if you fund it by life insurance, the company or the individuals uh, pay for that pr- the, the premium on that life insurance policy. And then when you pass away, that tax-free death benefit goes to the spouse and basically pays for half the value of the business in that situation. So uh, it's used a lot in business succession planning as an easy tool to pay for the value of a business. I like that one as well. All right, so five down, two to go, Scott. Reasons you should get life insurance. Or again, just talking about considering it here. This isn't just direct advice. Go get it right now without full analysis, of course. Uh, But another one is for tax-free income. We like the idea of that. That sounds nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, everybody loves tax-free income, right? Especially since we all got done paying taxes last month. We utilize this a lot in our firm, too, and... Basically, if you're not eligible to contribute to a Roth IRA or you want to put more money away than the contribution limits allow you for a Roth IRA, you can actually put an unlimited amount of money into a life insurance policy that's designed to grow and build cash value, not designed to get the biggest tax-free death benefit, but one that's designed to grow and give you as much growth of the cash value in your policy, and then all that money grows in there tax-free. And you can take withdrawals via loans and continue to get that money out tax-free later on in your retirement. And if you don't use it all, it still pays out a tax-free death benefit to your beneficiaries. So this is something where we can actually kind of create a mega Roth 
and put in a lot more money and have it grow tax-free utilizing life insurance. It's definitely another interesting one there, tax-free income. All right, last but not least, Scott, number seven, help with long-term care coverage. This is a big gap in a lot of people's plans, I know. So where might uh, life insurance be able to help us figure that element of the planning process out? So this brings up a good point in that we talk about seven different topics or needs for life insurance, but a lot of them will over overlap. So you can buy one policy that might accomplish several different things. And this is a perfect example. You can buy a tax-free death benefit uh, life insurance policy, and then a lot of them will have accelerated death benefits that you can get while you're still living in order to pay for long-term care expenses. So if you get the right policy and it's structured up the right way, you can actually buy this life insurance policy. It can provide money, for instance, to transfer family wealth. But if you go into a nursing home or assisted living or, or uh, some type of facility, you can accelerate that death benefit and use that to help pay for the long-term care in the meantime. Great uses of life insurance. You can see there's definitely reasons to consider it. I would just use this uh, mark as a marker. If you are planning for retirement and you just you haven't even considered life insurance for you know any of these reasons, or you're working with an advisor and you haven't considered life insurance, or that hasn't been part of the conversation, it could be a little red flag that you're not really getting comprehensive planning. You're not looking at the whole picture with your broker or your advisor, or if you're mm -hmm. doing it yourself, you're not taking as full of a lens or view as you need to with your planning process. So if you'd like to get a review of your financial plan, I would invite you and encourage you to schedule a time to visit with Scott Searles. He can help you get a second opinion on your plan, walk through what that looks like, and ultimately put together a worry-free retirement blueprint for you uh, to help mm -hmm. make sure that you've got the right financial plan in place. So if you want to schedule that, here's what to do. You can call 888-742-0111. That's 888-742-0111. 0111 or go to talktoscott.com and schedule a time to meet from your smartphone or computer talktoscott.com and we'll put the links and contact info in the description of today's show so it's easy for you to find it's getting to know you time well that means it's time to get to know scott a little bit better on today's show and here's my question for you this time around scott something i could talk about all day long What's your favorite board game? <laughs> well, you know what? I have I have two games that I really enjoy a lot. The first one is the old classic Monopoly. Hard to beat, I, isn't it? Yeah, you know what? I just love that whole buying property, and I love it when one of the kids fall on one of my one of my properties, and I'm like, <laughs> you owe me money. I mean, it's just fun. It's that entrepreneurial money game. That's just the classic Monopoly, and. Uh, I, I also like, I guess it's a board game, Battleship. Yeah, we'd count uh, that. I'd count that as a board game. Yeah, yeah I mean, I play with that with my kids all the time. And, uh, you know, you have to guess B4. And, you know, you kind of fire away and make sure your kids don't cheat uh, by moving their ships when you can't see them. But I like that. And, you know, there's other ones, too. I mean, I just like good old playing checkers is fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's there's a ton of board games that are we used to play the shoots and ladders with my kids all the time. You know, as simple as that is, that's fun. There, I, I don't know tons. if I can get on board with the shoots and ladders one, but 
Well, you know, it's a simple, just fun game. It probably brings back a lot of good memories for you, though, when the kids were younger. So that probably yeah. helps that one out a little bit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm on board with you there. I would definitely say Monopoly is is right up there. I really have enjoyed Ticket to Ride. Have you played Ticket to Ride? I have not played Ticket to Ride. You would like it. You should check it out. Um, so it's uh, it, you're kind of collecting trains, and you're traversing your way across the country buying up train routes. So okay. it's got a little bit of this entrepreneurial, like uh, you're not necessarily dealing so much with money, but um, you're, you're collecting these different trains and the longest train route assembled by the end of the game gets bonus points. And then you can kind of decide, do you want to do easy routes and rack up smaller points or do you want to go for bigger routes? But then if you don't complete them, it gets subtracted from your total. So there's huh. like this risk reward of, okay, I'm going to try and complete this really long route. Or, but I, if I miss it, I'm probably going to lose the game. But if I get it, I've got a pretty good chance at winning. Yeah. Um, so you can kind of pick your own risk level as you, you know, and see what strategy pays off the most. So that's a pretty fun one. I think you'd like that. I would, I would like that. Yeah, it's a good game. And then I recently got really into Chinese checkers uh, over, over Christmas. My dad got a nice Chinese checkers board from my uh-huh. uh, grandmother. And we all started playing it and started getting really into Chinese checkers. I never had played it when I was younger. So we've just all recently gotten into play. And when we play with like five or six people, it gets crazy. I don't know if I've ever played Chinese checkers. Yeah, I'd, I'd never played it until this uh, this Christmas. And it's fun. It's a really fun game, especially with a whole bunch of people. You just got marbles flying everywhere and everybody's trying to sabotage each other. And it's pretty pretty cool game. So you, you can play with more than just two people. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I think it's more fun to play with more than just two people. Huh. Yeah, you can all play right. with two, two, four, or six Theoretically, you can play with an odd number. It's just that the direction that that person would be playing in, they wouldn't really have anybody working directly against them. So I feel like that would affect the game a little bit differently if one person didn't have anyone opposing them on the other side of the board. But right. yeah, in theory, you can play with any any number between two and six. So all right. So next time I go to Target, I'm going to get Ticket to Ride and Chinese checkers and Chinese checkers. Yeah, and just 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 play and have a good time with it. I think you'll like it. I think those are those are two I definitely recommend. So uh, you, you know what? Well, we're we're going on vacation next week, so oh, maybe perfect. maybe we're we're gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna stop and buy it at the when I'm down there in Florida, and uh, I can just leave it in my office when I'm done. There you go. That's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. That's perfect. And then next time you do a driving trip down there or something, you can bring it back with you or whatever. Right. Yeah. Right. That's perfect. Uh, they may even sell like travel versions of Chinese checkers. So. Okay. You can probably get a smaller footprint one. And then I would say another good one is uh, Balderdash, Beyond Balderdash, if you've never played that. No. You would really like that. So if they have Beyond Balderdash, get that too. Okay. That one's a little hard to explain briefly on the podcast, but basically it's everyone's coming up with different uh, descriptions of various things, and then someone reads it out loud, and you have to try and guess which one is the real one or who's bluffing. So it, it gets pretty fun. It gets pretty good. Good to play with the kids. Very good to play with the kids. Yes. Okay. It's a very good way to get to know, get to know the other people in your group, and then people's personalities can maybe give them away. It's it's fun. It's a really good game. We were with a group of uh, our adult friends, and we got together, and somebody brought the game Cards Against Humanity. Oh my gosh! What an awful game! <laughs> oh my gosh! That is not one you want to play with the kids. No. Uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> That is uh, that is definitely a, a they I think they have, they have some PG versions of that game, but it's sort of one of those things where the raunchiness, I guess, is sort of what makes it fun. 
um, but also what makes it almost unplayable at times. <laughs> yeah, it, it it it's funny when the women get very embarrassing cards to read. Yes, yeah. What does this mean? Uh, don't worry about it. Just don't <laughs> worry about it. I've only played it once, and that was that was exactly how that went. It was, yes. Nope, nope, not even going to pretend I even know what that means. We're moving on. <laughs> moving on to the next thing. Oh, man. We better stop before we get in trouble on that yes. one, Oh, man. Well, there you go. Some good suggestions for board games across the board, so to speak. (laughs) Uh, More coming up on today's show. Going to answer a really good question from Dave up next here on the Retirement Toolbox. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. All right, Mr. Dave says, for decades I've had laddered CDs so that I have one maturing every single year. But with interest rates so low, I'm wondering if I have too much money in the bank. How much is too much? Now, Dave's question, for full disclosure, was probably written, uh, I believe we pulled this several weeks ago, Scott. So obviously interest rates have changed a little bit since this question came in, and we've seen them increasing a little bit. So I don't know, whether we view the context as low or I guess historically they're still low, even if they're not at the bottom of the barrel like they were. Um, With with all that context, what do you think? Well, the thing, too, is that, yes, the Federal Reserve has raised interest rates. We're starting to see inflation. But there's also a lag in bank interest rates coming up because banks make their money on the spread between what they're charging you for a loan and what they're giving you for deposits in the bank. So they don't want to necessarily increase those rates on your deposits very quickly because that's where they're making their money. So- when I started this business, you know, in the early nineties, there were, that was kind of the, the way a lot of people would fund their retirement. You utilize those CDs, ladder them out, just like you said, and then live off that interest. And then as rates go up every year, you're readjusting your rates, uh, with the new CDs that are coming due. But unfortunately for, you know, Quite some time now, that has not been an acceptable way that you're able to generate enough income for your retirement. So the answer to how much money is enough, that's kind of a personal question and that everybody's a little bit different. Actually, right before I recorded this podcast, I was in a meeting with with a new client uh, that came in and they had a couple hundred thousand dollars sitting in the bank. And we talked about we were developing our strategy. We were going to keep one to two years worth of income in the bank. So in their case, like $72,000, because I wanted to make sure that if we ran across into a recession, that we would not have any issues generating their retirement income, at least in the first few years. So we could make sure that the market could go through its fluctuations and we wouldn't have to be worried about our income. So it kind of depends on your strategy and what you're trying to implement. But as a general rule of thumb, you know, they they say three to six months of expenses. I generally have more in cash, but you know, it all kind of it's all part of that all encompassing retirement strategy you're trying to put in place. It's a really good question, Dave. Thanks for sending that one in to us. And I think you're gonna be getting a lot of questions like this, Scott, with interest rates changing, with inflation up. I mean, are you kind of seeing a shift a little bit right now with sort of everybody's concerns and the fact that we're definitely entering a different economic climate than we've been in. I mean, even when COVID hit, yeah, that was a big kind of game changer in the world. But 
you know, stock market after a short time down bounced right back up and the rallies continued and wasn't necessarily this whole economic world being different. That was just kind of a stock market drop and rebound. But now we've like actually got some foundational things that are sort of moving and changing. Are you seeing like kind of a difference in, in some of the questions that you're getting or the reasons why people are approaching you and that sort of thing? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because inflation is the big scary one, right? Because we would always run plans. I ran with a little bit more inflation a lot of the times, maybe 4% inflation, 5% to be conservative uh, in a retirement plan. So we took into account inflation, but as this inflation starts going up 7 8%, which really don't think it's going to stay there you know, for a very long time, but still... Yeah, people are concerned they're going to outlive they're not they're going to outlive their money because if the cost of the grocery store and the gasoline and all that stuff go up too much, they're really going to start to eat into their retirement plan. So that's why we're developing strategies now to make sure we hedge this off in the future for our clients. Great points across the board. And again, thanks for the question, Dave. If you've got questions for Scott, want to talk to him about your specific situation and get a review of your financial plan, give him a call at 888-742-0111. That's 888-742-0111. You can also go to talktoscott.com and get in touch via the website to schedule your time to meet from your smartphone or computer. That's talktoscott.com, your place to go there. Scott, great episode. Appreciate all your help on the show today, and uh, we'll do it again next time around. I enjoy it every time we get together. Absolutely. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in and listening to the Retirement Toolbox. For Scott, I'm Walter, and we'll see you next time. Go Guardians. Investment advisory services provided by Skybox Asset Management, LLC.